0: Great. Thanks so much, guys. Really good to be with you. Happy New Year. Well, that's very sombre. Happy New Year. Um, And uh, have you recovered from Christmas yet? That's my question. There's no other holiday. You can say that after, is there? Like summer holiday. Don't say, have you recovered from your summer holiday? But Christmas, it feels entirely appropriate, doesn't it? Have you recovered? Anyone Anyone been back at the gym already? Hands up. Well, I think it's well done. I mean, I just think well done. And you just have to realise that you have made enemies in the row behind already, but that's fine. That's fine. Well done. Back at it. Really good. And uh, one of the things I like about Christmas is I get to read. uh, I get more time to read, and I I love to read different stuff. One of the the lighter things and more humorous things I uh, read was uh, the, the classic signs that you know you're British which I thought was a, a, appropriate in this uh, season of Brexit. Um, the pro- classic signs. And if you're not from, originally from this nation, you might recognise some of these signs even more and already might find yourself doing them. That'll be the scary thing for you. So here we go, some classic signs that you know you're British. N- not hear- Number one, not hearing someone for the third time so you laugh and hope for the best... <laughs> Then you find out they just told you bad news and you die a little on the inside as you scrabble to recover. Anyone ever ever done that? Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, number two, being unable to pay for something without, with the exact change without saying, I think that's right. Then waiting awkwardly, awkward permission to leave even though you paid with the exact change. Uh, number three, watching with quiet sorrow as you receive a different haircut to the one you requested. Anyone, that's a classic uh, British thing. And you still go back to the same place next time. Yeah, 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 done that. Um, deeming it necessary to do a little jog over a zebra crossing while throwing an apologetic mini wave. <laughs> Even though by law they have to stop for you, you feel like you owe them something. Uh, punishing people who don't say thank you by saying you're welcome very quietly (laughs) under your breath (laughs) well that really gets them especially when they don't hear it Um, uh, uh, and the last one saying you'll have to excuse this mess when visitors come the translation I've spent seven hours tidying in preparation for your visit and you better notice how good it looks (laughs) but you don't want to you don't want to say that Anyone out of not originally from the UK, notice you're doing those things already. Or well, welcome, welcome to our uh, our bad habits. And uh, you know, it's good to start this new year, isn't it? And look at together at this subject of prayer uh, to focus afresh after all the kind of celebrations and family stuff that we've perhaps got up to. To look at this subject of of prayer. You know, uh, the reality is that. Christians through the ages have struggled, actually, with this concept of prayer. Tim Keller, who has written extensively and leads a very influential church in in New York, uh, tells in the book that he wrote recently on prayer about how for many years, even as a pastor, prayer was one of the things that he just didn't quite get. He never really felt like he got prayer. Martin Lloyd-Jones, another very famous uh, preacher, once said he'd never written on prayer because of a sense of personal inadequacy in his own prayer life. Life. Prayer is something that that many people have struggled with, and yet the majority of people pray. We still pray. In fact, uh, I was interested to read in 2004, there was a study uh, done of atheists, and 30% of atheists admitted that they pray sometimes. So even atheists admit that they pray. We all pray. That, that It was interesting that the tension that's going on in the wider church at the moment, you'll see, and have read perhaps something about it, that there's a whole uh, group or a stream saying, listen, we've got prayer all wrong. Prayer should be more about contemplation. It should be more about quietness. And uh, and you don't really need to use words. You need to kind of still your heart. That, that's what prayer's about. And then another stream, another group saying, no, no, that, that's, that's completely wrong. Prayer's about breaking down strongholds and the kingdom of God coming. We need to be pursuing God in that uh, style of prayer. So there's kind of tension even in the wider Uh, body of of Christ. So which is it? What's prayer about? Is it about connection? Is it about uh, demolishing strongholds? What is prayer about? Well we're going to start this year with a simple uh, passage and asking ourselves really two questions. The first is this, why should we pray? And the second is how should we pray? Why should we pray and how should we pray? And so what I want to do is read to you from Matthew chapter 6 and I'm about to read probably the words that have been most repeated by people in humanity out of all words that have ever been spoken. That's a bold claim, isn't it? These words are so often repeated by so many people that I think these are the words that have been spoken more often than any other words ever written down. There we go. That's a bold claim. You can tell me later if you think I'm wrong, but I think you'll see that I'm right. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus speaking, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogue and at the street corners that they might be seen by others. Truly, I say, they've received their reward already. When you pray, go to your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who's in secret. Your Father who sees you will reward you. And when you pray, don't heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. They think they'll be heard by their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need even before you ask him. Pray them like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we've also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Some later manuscripts add the line, for yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. If you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So how do we pray? Why do we pray? And how do we pray? And if you're not yet a believer, not yet a follower of Christ, it's critical that you understand these things along with us. Critical that we look at these together. Why do we pray? I don't know if you ever asked yourself that question. Perhaps you've been a Christian many years, but never dared to ask that question, why do we pray? Uh, You know, uh, kids love to ask questions, particularly when they hit about, if you've had kids, when they hit about two, every moment is, Why? Why and you know why is the sky blue? Why do reindeers have antlers? You know, it's just like on and on and on. And at the beginning of the day, you're like, oh, let me explain to you. And you sit them on your knee, and you explain and you explain it. At the by the end of the day, you're just like, because I said so. <laughs> okay. Just me. Uh, <laughs> because the why's just never, never end. But when we're, we're adults, when we're teenagers, we stop asking why because we almost feel embarrassed to not know. And especially when it comes to something like prayer, we start to think to ourselves, well, surely I just ought to know the answer to that question. The problem is, if we don't understand deeply the why, we will never have the motivation necessary. If you go into this week of prayer not really getting the why then you'll never really engage with it fully. Your your prayer life will always be a bit surface unless you've really understood and believed and connected with the why. As Simon Sinek famously said in his book uh, recently, start with why. You've got to understand the why of prayer. And and Jesus in these comments gives us the why. He, He gives us a few reasons why we should pray. The first reason he gives us is that prayer connects. Prayer connects. He says this, pray to your father who is in secret. He says, your father who sees you in secret will reward you. He says, when you pray, say say, our father. What's his point? The first thing that prayer does is it connects us. It connects us to God in a way that nothing else connects us. You are alone on this rock spinning through the universe, isolated, and yet you have a way to connect to God. Uh, That was really good news that you didn't quite get. You have a way to connect to God, and it's called prayer. Anyone see Star Wars over over Christmas? Yeah, a few... Oh gosh, not many of you, poor, poor on them for the, for the box office. But anyway, uh, Star Wars over Christmas, I thought the best review actually, all the reviewers in the world, someone paid for it, the best review actually was from Caroline, who said exactly this, my wife, she said this, On uh, ask for her opinion, I slept for the first hour, but after I woke up, I didn't think it was too bad, <laughs> which I thought was a fair summary, people have paid thousands to get up with a worse review than that, I thought that was quite good. Here's the thing. The Star Wars universe is filled with this mysterious force. It's just like this uh, 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 force that has no personality. It just kind of acts and moves through the characters' lives. If God were a force like the Star Wars force, then there would be no love in the world. Because a force could not create an impersonal force could not create a personal love. It wouldn't be able to do it. It wouldn't be able to create something that itself had never known. There would be no love. If God were just a single uh, individual, as uh, Islam would teach, as the Jehovah's Witnesses would teach, then love would only exist after he created somebody. Because before that, there'd be no one to love. There'd be no one to love, and so... God's love would be subservient to his power or to his intellect. Love must have come later because if God was just alone, then who is there to love? And this is where the beauty of the Christian doctrine of the Trinity comes in because the Bible teaches us that God is three in one, all fully God. He is Father, he is Son, he is Spirit, and for all eternity they have loved each other. They have loved each other. And so we have been invited into that love. That's why the Bible can say, God is love. It never says he is power, although he is power. It never says that he is intellect, although he has extreme intellect. But it does say he is love. And you and I have been invited into that love. This is why Jesus said, this is eternal life, to know you, the only true God. You and I have been invited into the divine romance, the divine love of heaven. We have been invited in and we've been invited in through prayer. We connect with God in this way. Prayer is first connection. You might say, though, Simon, I don't feel connected to God when I pray. When I pray, I just don't feel the connection that you're talking about. Well, I would say, then pray about that. (laughs) Because that is your birthright as a child of God, is to feel connected to your father. So then stop everything else and pray about that and talk to others and ask your friends to pray for you for that because you have been born to know God and for him to know you and have been born to connect with him. And so if you don't feel it, and I've had seasons in my life where I don't feel connected to God when I pray, as soon as I notice that, and sometimes it can take a while because you just go through the motions. Okay, just me. As soon as I notice that, I will stop and say, okay, I've got to change something because connecting with him is the most important thing as we've been singing about. And so stop at that point and, 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 and pro- I mean, who uses a laptop and when it gets to 10% left on the battery thinks, oh, I'm just going to keep working, I'm just going to keep working. What a fool, because what's going to happen? All your work will be wasted. And yet as Christians, we think, I'm just going to keep going, I'm just going to keep going. No, 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 stop. Stop. Get reconnected. And the second thing I've learned about this is this, that when, I, when I'm dealing with God, I've got to realize he's God. Uh, that's profound. I've got to realize that he is God. He is totally other to me. He is perfection. He is spirit. And so I cannot demand of him that he relates to me in a certain way. I, can't, I used, to, used to have this expectation that God would relate to me in the way that I wanted him to relate to me. So if I wanted an answer to my prayer right then, well, that's what he should do. And if he didn't, well, God doesn't hear my prayers. And if I wanted to hear his voice by an angel appearing at the foot of my bed, well, then that's what should happen. And if it didn't, God doesn't, I don't hear God's voice. But then I realized that's not relationship. That's like relational terrorism. That's like holding a gun to God's head and said, unless you perform, we don't have a relationship. No, no, no. Relationship with God, relationship with anyone starts with humility, doesn't it? It starts with relating on their terms. It starts with coming to God and saying, God, you've promised to know me now. Show me your ways. Show me how you relate. So if you struggle to connect with God, maybe, this certainly was my case, I had a preconceived idea of what it meant to connect with him instead of an open page that said, God... I want to connect with you. I mean, just give me an example. From a few weeks ago, I was just feeling overwhelmed with prayer. I was saying, God, I've got, you know, got more than 1,000 people in King's Arms. I'm part of overseeing more than 300 churches. We've got disasters on the left side of the world and the right side. I mean, it's just going on and on and on. I am just overwhelmed. I don't know what to pray for or where to start. And so I was praying that one morning. And what happened at the end of that prayer? Well, Nothing. I left that prayer time. Didn't feel like God had spoken to me. But I knew that he'd heard my prayer. The next day I really knew it because an, uh, someone uh, showed me an app that they've found. and on the uh, It's called Lectio uh, 365 and it's just a simple way of praying a certain number of prayers every day. Just very simple, very straightforward. And every day this app just pops up and gives you a little reminder of praying this way today, praying this way today and it just changes every day. And I was like... <sighs> that's what I needed right now. I just needed something simple. I just needed something straightforward. I just needed something I could do simply every day. That's what I needed. You see, the old me would have think, oh, God didn't hear my voice, didn't hear my prayer. The new me realizes he decided to connect with me in that simple way. Let, let God relate to you as he wants to relate to you. Prayer is connection. And then first, secondly, prayer reveals. Jesus says that prayer reveals. You know, in um, Plato's Republic, there's a character called Glaucon. Who's actually Plato's brother's brother, and he uh, he he speaks to Socrates in this in the book, and he talks to Socrates, Socrates, and he says, imagine someone had the mythical ring of Gyges. Now, the mythical ring of Gyges was a ring that, that made the the owner invisible. It's like you know the Lord of the Rings, except without the Sauron bit. It just made the it made the owner invisible. And he said, imagine some anyone had that ring. He said, I believe that people who have that ring will do. All measure of evil. They will, they will steal when they want to steal. They will trespass. They, they will let people go from prison. They'll kill who they want to. They'll sleep with who they want to. They will do all manner of evil. He was a happy chap. He said, I believe that people are only held to morality because they don't think they can get away with immorality. And if they could get away with it, if there was no relational concept because they had the invisibility ring, I believe they would commit all sorts of evil. What's his point? His point is, you and I don't know ourselves. You and I don't know what's really in our hearts. And you might say, that, I wouldn't do all sorts of evil. And he would say to you, well, you haven't got the ring. But if you had the ring, who knows what you would do? His point is, none of us really know what's in our hearts and there's some, some truth in it I, I, um, I was speaking at King's Arms some years ago in the evening and, and to be honest when I speak I often don't know whether it was, it was good or bad you can tell me later I, I've got no you know, real concept or measure of whether it was, was any good or not but this night I thought I'd done pretty good it was like a really, really good one. You know, and I could kind of tell it was landing and God was there. I came home and I kind of said, how did it go tonight? I was like, I think, it was, I, think I did really good. It was, it was strong. I felt like people were connecting. The presence of God was there. People were getting set free. It was really good. She, she said, oh, that is so good. There's only one slight problem. I said, what is it? She said, your shirt is on Inside Out. <laughs> I said, no, it's not. She said, you go look in the mirror. <laughs> So I went and looked in the mirror and there it was, completely inside, complete with the tag at the back, flapping around. I mean, there was no getting away with it. I'd been wearing my shirt inside out the entire night, on the outside thinking, people were thinking, really connected with me, not realising. They were probably thinking, why is his shirt on inside out? And no one said anything. If that ever happens, you guys don't tell me, I'll be crossed. What's the reality? The reality is this. It's only in prayer that we truly get to see in the mirror. It's only in prayer that we truly get to see. This is what Jesus says in this little passage. Prayer reveals things to you. It reveals stuff about you. Jesus says, don't pray like the hypocrites. It reveals stuff about even by the way that you pray. It reveals stuff about your heart. He says, when you pray, forgive. And it reveals stuff about your relationships in the way that you should have forgiven others. Prayer reveals stuff Uh, about your theology, pray to your Father, pray, it reveals stuff. Prayer is like the mirror of God. And and there's no other place where we can truly be seen as we are. You might think, well, I'm never going to pray again then. But the reality is it's the only place you can be seen as you are and loved for who you are. Loved loved as God loves you in no other, like no other person loves you because he sees you and yet still loves you even though he knows you. Prayer is that place. Prayer reveals stuff. It's in prayer that we can truly be changed because it's in prayer that God will show us who we are. And by his grace, then by his power, he can see us Transformed. Psalm 139 says this, O Lord, you've searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down. You are acquainted with all my ways. The psalmist had got it. He'd understood it's when I pray, when I connect with God, He sees me and He knows me and He still loves me. Prayer connects, prayer reveals. And the third reason Jesus tells us that you should pray is because prayer changes. Again and again in this passage, he shows us that we come to prayer with an expectation that things will change. Forgive us our debts. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Right the way through, he shows us this perception, this idea that, that when we pray, God acts with us and on our behalf. We partner with God in prayer. He does stuff when we pray. Prayer is powerful. And the Bible is, from the beginning to the end, the story of people who prayed. People who prayed and changed the world or their world. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were people, men who were broken in many ways, and yet they prayed. They sought God, and he changed their families, and he began a new nation from Within them, Moses prayed, and God set His people free from uh, from Egypt in slavery, and established them as a nation in uh, the promised land. King David prayed, and a new messianic line began, which is still uh, evident through Christ. The prophets called on God's people to pray. The New Testament church prayed from beginning to the end. The Bible is a story of people who prayed, and people who changed the world. That's, the, that's what we see in the scriptures. Prayer changes things, not because it's a power within itself, but because it connects us with the one who is all power. It connects us with the one who has all power. And you know, there was a revival going on in the Muslim world at the moment. The Muslim-majority world, there is a full-on revival going on right across that, that world. It is incredible. In uh, just uh, Joel Rosenberg, who's a researcher into the Middle East, he writes about it and he tells this, in Sudan, one million Sudanese have turned to Christ since the year 2000. There's now more than 5.5 million believers in Sudan. In Pakistan, senior Pakistani Christian leaders told Joel there's a conversion explosion going on in their country. There's now an estimated 2.5 to 3 million born-again Pakistani believers, whole villages on the Afghan-Pakistani border are giving their lives to Christ en masse. Even in Iran, the time of the Islamic Re- Re- Revolution in 1979, there were about 500 known Muslim converts to Jesus in the country. By, two, by 2000, there were 220,000 Christians inside Iran, and the numbers have just increased and increased. And you hear the same stories from Egypt, Iraq, Jordan, Saudi, Albania. There's a guy called T- uh, Tino Kahoshi who is a researcher and a film r- a writer, and he writes about the majority Muslim majority in North Africa. He says this, What God is doing in North Africa all the way from Mauritania to Libya is unprecedented in the history of missions. Isn't that encouraging? Isn't that encouraging over here? <laughs> you know you know why? Yeah, let's just, let's just thank the Lord, shall we? <laughs> thank you, Jesus. I love that story, but the reason I love it all the more is it's because it's happening because I prayed. I prayed for revival in the Muslim world, and that's why it's happening. 25 years ago, God spoke to me through a book that taught me to pray for the Muslim world, and it taught me to pray through Ramadan, so I prayed through Ramadan for those who didn't know Christ in the Muslim world. And this revival is happening because I prayed. Doesn't that sound a little bit arrogant? I'm not saying I'm the only person who prayed. I'm not saying I'm the only person who prayed. I think there were millions of Christians around the world who prayed. And together we prayed and we're changing their world. You've got to believe that your prayers change the world. <laughs> You've got to believe it as we go into a week of prayer. You've got to believe, as I believe, that 25 years ago when I started praying for the Muslim world and i prayed for it on and off ever since, sometimes faithfully, sometimes not very faithfully, as I have prayed for it, my prayer has taken, is joined in with everyone else's prayer and has made a difference. You've got to believe it. That's not arrogance. That's just believing what God says. That's just believing what he says in his word, that he hears our prayers, that we call on our Father who loves to do good on the planet in partnership with us. Why doesn't he just do it? I don't know, there's a mystery there, but the reality is he has promised that when we pray, he will move. Yeah. And so your prayers can change the world. And if you'll believe that, your prayers, you, you, if you believe that your prayers will change the world. If you believe that your prayers will take part of it, it's not arrogance. That's just realizing that even if my prayers were like a grain of sand relative to everybody else's prayers, they still counted. I was still partner to what God is doing in the Middle East right now. What do you want to partner in? How do you want to change the world? What's God calling you to? On the big or on the small, there was a guy who um, used to come to King's Arms and then, he, and then he disappeared. I mean, not like physically in front of me, he didn't disappear, but he just, he just stopped coming. And uh, I noticed that he stopped coming after a few weeks, and so I, I, um, I didn't know him very well, but I'd I, I prayed for him a couple of times, and I somehow I had his number, so I just texted him and said, hey, I've seen you haven't been around for a while, I'm just, just checking everything's okay, I just want you to know I'm praying for you. No response. Prayed for him perhaps a few more times, and then, you know, kind of forgotten, kind of things moved on. Anyway, three years later, he comes back. I noticed that he'd come back and he radically gave his life back to Christ. He's still part of us today. He's got family, part of us. After a year or so of him being back, he came up to me and he said, I never forgot your text message. Your text message was the thing that lodged in my heart and was one of the things that brought me back. But he was wrong, you know, because it wasn't the text message. It was because I prayed for him. And numbers of other people, I'm sure, just for those who think I'm supremely arrogant. <laughs> you haven't got the point. <laughs> There were people who prayed for that for him and our prayers got hooked into a simple text message by the power of God and changed his life. That's how it works. That's how it works. Prayer changes things. You know, over the Christmas I had a dream and in the dream I was fighting in this spiritual battle and the voice said to me, you know what to do. And I, my response was, I don't know what to do because we were kind of under heavy fire. And then immediately the voice said, you know what to do. And I, I remembered, I did know what to do because I've studied a little bit of military history and I knew in that season, because this was set in kind of olden times, what they would do was they would bombard the enemy positions with artillery because the artillery had just been invented and it was changing the force of the, the war, warfare. And they would bombard the, art, the enemy positions with artillery before the ground troops ever went in. And so I, I, in the dream I said, we need the artillery. And the voice said... Prayer is the artillery of heaven. I just feel this conviction as we begin this year. It's time to unleash the artillery of heaven. It's time to unleash the artillery of heaven on this earth because God is wanting to do things that we have never yet seen before on the planet. There are already things happening that have never been seen before and God is wanting to do even more. It's time to unleash the artillery. That's why we pray. Prayer connects us. Prayer reveals And prayer changes things. That's why Charles Spurgeon, the great British preacher, said this, I would rather teach one man how to pray than ten men how to preach. I would rather teach one man how to pray than ten men how to preach. Prayer is powerful. And we've got to understand that why. Just as we draw into a close and how to pray, we've looked at why to pray more quickly, how to pray? I wanted to spend more time on why, because if you've got the why, then you'll find out how. You can Google it, <laughs> or oh, you can listen to me as well. But you, 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 if you've got the why, that you'll 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 do it. You'll pray. But how to how to pray? What does Jesus say? Well, firstly, he says when you pray. And his point is, find the time. Jesus assumes, he doesn't say if you pray, he says when you pray. He assumes that if you're a follower of his, then you will pray. (laughs) And you will find the time to pray. And so I want to encourage you to begin this year, find the time. Don't let any excuse that says you do not have time, get away with it. Because you have time to do what you think is valuable. We all do. We got to hold that mirror up and realise if you think it's valuable, you find the time to do it. Find the time, and but it doesn't have to be this stressful. Oh, I've got to find this time. Find the find the time whenever it works for you. Find the time walking along. Find the time you know. Kirsty prays when she's walking a dog. Buy a dog. Walk the dog. Say to the dog, "You only exist in my life because I need to pray more. That's why I bought you. You have no other significance." I don't, they won't understand. It's fine. Buy a dog. Pray when you're walking. Pray when you're driving the car. Pray when you're laying down to go to sleep at night, maybe when you're not too tired. Pray in the morning. Pray at lunchtime. Go out of the office and pray. Just find the time. Find it somewhere. Don't follow anybody else's pattern. If you've had a time and it's stale and old and disconnected, then stop and do something different. Find a different time. Break out of the old box, but find the time. If, you're, if you want a provocation, then join us. We've got on your seats 1102 for the month of January. We're going to set our alarms for 1102. And on the back, you can write down three names of people who need a breakthrough from God. Either they don't know Christ or, or they need some kind of breakthrough. And you can pray for them. And set your alarm for 1102. I'd be interested in uh, meetings with lots of King's Arms people if they're all going off. But make that your time. 1102. Make that your time to pray for people and for, for pray and, and you know just learn to, to pray through your day you know pray when people leave you when you've connected with people or you've had them over for dinner or, or or you've been out for a coffee just say hey can we just pray together I used to feel oh no they'll think I'm religious I just thought like, I'm 49 now like, forget all that wait till I'm 79 I'm going to be a nightmare but 49 I'm just like I so what if they think I? I just want to can I just pray for you don't use loads of religious language don't make it half an hour long just say can I pray for you but it's powerful. Pray mid-conversation. You know, stop mid-conversation. If someone said something that you think, oh, I don't know the answer to that. As soon as I think, I don't know the answer to that, I think I need to pray for this person. Don't point me making stuff up. I just say, hey, look, can we just pray for that right now? I don't obviously interrupt them mid-sentence. That would be rude. But just wait till they finish and say, hey, can we pray for that? Just let this become more natural. Find the time to pray. Jesus says, When you pray, and then he says, go to your room, find the place. That's the second thing, find the place. Maybe it's a favourite chair, maybe it's your car, maybe it's walking the dog, maybe it's standing up, maybe it's lying down, just find the place. Maybe it's on your own, maybe it's with others, just find the place. Jesus encourages his followers to, to put themselves in a private place I think largely because in his day, people were in the habit of praying as performance. They wanted other people to hear their prayers. And so he was breaking them out of that. But there's plenty of examples in the scriptures of people praying together. So if prayer is dry and dull on your own and you're not, then pray with others. There's seasons where I only pray with others. Because I think if I pray on my own, I'm just going to go on my phone. I'm just going to be distracted and busy. So I, I will purposely find people to pray with. Because I need other people around me. And there's other seasons where I pray more on my own. Just find the right place for you. Find the place to pray. What does that look like for you? Think creatively. Sometimes I pray in my lounge because I think that'll be fine. And sometimes I know as I'm about to start praying, I'm going to be on my phone in 10 minutes if I stay here. I just know that I am. So I need to get out and I go and walk or I do something different. So just know yourself yourself. You will find the right place if you know yourself and you know what you're looking for in prayer. I love to pray in this room. So often in the week, when there's no one in here, I will, I'll just, you know, I don't, I don't make a formal booking. Sorry as well, uh, um, but I'll just come and I'll pray for every chair and every person sits on the chairs. You're sitting on a chair that I have probably at some point prayed for, and I've prayed for you as you sat on that chair that you and your family will be blessed. Find the place that works for. You. And lastly, Jesus says, pray like this. And his point is, find a model. I don't believe that Jesus wants us to pray these words by rote, although we can. I think they're powerful. But actually, use these words that Jesus spoke as a, as a way of provoking you for the things that you should pray. And, and in our discipleship language, we've kind of uh, uh, laid them out in the acronym START. So, S at the beginning of the prayer is about sonship, our Father. Start your prayers not just with a list of, uh, of things you want God to do or even saying sorry. Start your prayers with Father. Connect with the sense that you are his child and that he is your Father. And, and the T is thanksgiving. Hallowed be your name. Come quickly into worship. You know, when we give thanks to God, it says in the Scriptures, we enter his courts with thanksgiving in our hearts. Thanksgiving breaks us out of entitlement. It breaks us out of thinking that God owes us something. It's a place where we can just come to him and we can say, thank you, Father, for all you've done. It actually gives us faith for what he's about to do when we connect in thanksgiving with him. And then ask, A is for ask, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth that is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Bring your requests to him. Ask him for what he wants to do. Ask him for what you want him to do. Connect in prayer through the ask. And then R is repent. Take some time for the Holy Spirit to show you what's really going on. Let him look into your heart as David prayed, Lord, search me and know me. Show me if there's any wicked way in me. Come to God and show, say, God, reveal my heart to me so that I can get free and I can change. And then forgive others who've wronged you. And then The T is for truth. It's not in all the manuscripts, but some of them, uh, the later ones, for yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory, whether it's there or not. It's great to finish with truth. This is who God is. This is who you are. Maybe get a Bible verse that you're looking to memorize and speak it out, declare it over yourself, over your family and friends. Finish with truth. Those are the components of a healthy prayer life and you can use that as a model to pray through or use a different model. It doesn't really matter but make sure you're praying those kinds of things. So as we land, why do we pray? We pray because it connects us to God. We pray because it reveals stuff in our lives. We pray because it changes things and how will we find the time, we find the place and we find a model that works for us. We've got to take time to release the artillery of heaven this term. We've got to take time to come to our Father and say, God, we want to partner with your advance on this world. God, we want to know you more and connect in our hearts. Let's give ourselves this week. Let's give ourselves this week to prayer as a community. Let's release the big guns onto the things that God wants to do. Let's say, Father... We don't understand prayer. Will you teach us? (laughs) Teach us something new as we go into this adventure together. And look, I've finished early, so it must be New Year. Happy New Year.